0: Okay, we're all set to go. So this week we're going to look at faith in action. But before we look at that, I'm just going to say another word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you that we can come together tonight and just have, we just had such a wonderful time of worship. And I do pray as we look at your word that you would just minister to every heart. You know what each one needs. Lord, and I just trust you to do what only you can do inside of each one of these ladies here tonight and our dear sister. In Jesus' name, Christ, amen. So last week, we looked at the faithfulness of God, right? And what we're learning from the Bible study that we have is faith in God's faithfulness is what he wants from us. And what we looked at last week... We looked at David when he was facing Goliath, just a little review. He said, I come to you in the name of Shem, the Lord of Hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, meaning name of honor, name of authority, a name of character, a name of fame, a name of glory, and a name of reputation. And we saw the simple childlike faith David had last week, right? He saw the enemy was defeated before Goliath was defeated. He knew, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. That's in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 to 47, that whole section there. And the reason why God performed this miracle, he said, was that all the earth may know Yada. How many remember what that word Yada means? In an intimate way. That there is a God in Israel. And we know there's a God in Israel because for those that weren't here last week, Israel is a nation. So God kept his promise to Abraham. In Hebrews 11 verse 6 for this week, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, And then he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that verse is so encouraging because it tells me that even though I may not have the feelings, if I am seeking the Lord, he sees me. Psalm 139, he sees us. He sees us when we sit down, when we rise up. He knows our thoughts from afar off. And if we continue to seek him, he's going to meet with us. And how many times has the Lord just showed up and surprised you, right? It's so wonderful when He does do that. So that's a promise that He does keep. We cannot know the Lord or even hope to please Him without faith, because we have to believe He is, right? I mean, because why would we seek Him if He wasn't alive and we knew that he wasn't seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, why bother? But we know he is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And then the scriptures that are there from Romans 4, verse 13 through 25. It's just, it's not the whole section because we'll be here all night if we want to read these scripture verses I have here. But what we see there, God gave Abraham an unconditional promise. He told Abraham, you're going to have descendants enough to fill the earth. And the whole world is going to be blessed through you. Meaning Messiah is going to come from your line. And Abraham believed that promise. And that is why he was counted as righteous. He believed what God said he was going to provide. We see that when he sacrificed his son Isaac, right? He told the son, his son, his son's like, what are you doing, basically? And he said, God's going to provide. And he did So he believed in the promises of God without seeing. And that's what the Lord is really after in all of us, you know, that we believe without the evidence, without seeing, you know, that walking by faith, not by sight. So I want to jump down to where it says, A.W. Toza in the Pursuit of God says, now if faith is the gaze of the heart at God, and if this gaze is but the rising of the inward eyes to meet the all-seeing eyes of God, then it follows that it is one of the easiest things possible to do. It would be like God to make the most vital things easy and place it within the range of possibility for the weakest and poorest of us. And that's an interesting statement. Last night, we had a counseling session, a couple that came in, and my heart was very heavy last night. I just kept thinking about and at, I think it was like 1 in the morning, I finally got up and said, I got to take some z or something, because I knew today was going to be a long day with teaching and everything. Still 4 in the morning, why wide we think about this couple praying for them? It's like, man, what? Something's happened. And then at six o'clock the alarm went off for the morning prayer time we had together with Glenn and Jesse and a few of us and I knew God what am I going to do today (laughs) but I know God is faithful and he always sees me through gets me through gives me divine grace divine strength and I'm thankful for that he's proven himself over and over and over so faith and action is come and do the class and you trust me to give you what you need. Not only for yourself, but for the others too. You know, so we saw that last week, right? With Joshua and Caleb, they had to live out their faith in their generation. David lived out his faith. Elijah lived out his faith. Habakkuk, Samuel, and many other heroes of faith lived out their faith in action when they were here on planet Earth. And here we are today, this generation learning how to live our faith in a God that is faithful in all things, even when we're not. So the opposite of that is unbelief. And some synonym, synonyms of unbelief is atheism, mistrust, discredit, distrust, this is distrust, mistrust, unbelieving, skepticism, uncertainty. And usually when we doubt God, we wind up putting our trust either in ourselves or in others. How many would say that's true? What happens when we do that though? We get disappointed. Yeah. Huh? We get disappointed. Exactly. We, we we get disappointed. Well things get worse. Things get worse. Yeah. Why? Because we stepped in where right? we should have let God step in. Yeah. We, we stepped him. in instead of letting God do what he can only do. You know? So what needs to happen for each and every one of us is we need to shift our belief system from confidence in the flesh, in ourselves or in others, to confidence in him. James 2, verse 26 says, for just as the human body, this is from the Amplified body, Bible, but Bible, just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. And we saw that with the different ones we studied last week. We saw that their faith required action. You know, it's not enough to just say, let's say you're looking for a job and, okay, I'm going to just sit here and believe God, believe God, believe God. And I'm going to pray, believe God. But you're not putting out resumes or making <laughs> an effort to see what jobs are out there. You can sit there all day long, believing God, waiting on God, and then months and weeks and years go by, and you have nothing. (laughs) Faith requires action. When we look at stepping out in faith, if you remember, and this is kind of review, because we did do this class once before, but I felt like I needed to do it again. I didn't even look at the notes from the last time, so I had no idea what was in the other class. But I do remember the scripture where, if you remember in John 6, 28, 37, and it's a long passage there, but basically, if the disciples had asked Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent him. So what you see is even then, Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, just believe in who I am. You saw the miracles. Why do you doubt? They saw them first hand. They saw when he fed 5,000, 3,000. They saw the lepers cleansed. They saw so many miracles. But yet they still battled with unbelief. And it's funny because they had asked him, well, what sign will you perform that will believe you? And how many times do we do that when he's told us in his word what his promises are, but yeah, well, I, I just need a sign. Give me a sign. And he's like, I just want you to believe you. Why do you need a sign? Don't you believe in who I am? It's basically what He was telling his disciples how many times throughout the gospels. Don't you believe? Don't you believe? So in that context of scripture, Jesus really wanted them to know him as the bread of life. I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 107, verse 9, I thought about that uh, verse in that psalm when I read that, where it says, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness, and it's true. We see that when we see God intervene in our lives in a very personal way, we see he does satisfy my hungry soul. He's what I need. I need him more than anything else. So Spurgeon said his father gave Jesus a certain number to be the reward of his soul's travail and he will have every one of them. As he has said, all that the father giveth me shall come to me Almighty grace shall sweetly constrain them all to come to me. So this again comes from that scripture in John 6 when the disciples had asked Jesus about just the realities that our fathers ate the bread in the wilderness, but Jesus said, It's not all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And that is such a beautiful picture of his welcoming heart. Doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter we struggle with unbelief and believing that he really is good. If we still come to him in faith, anyway, he's not going to push you away. What you'll find is him speaking to that unbelief and speaking to you, you can trust me. How many times has he spoken that to you personally? I know he has to me over and over, you could trust me. You can trust me. I'm not from a failure. So we see different examples of faith and action in Luke 7 verses 1 through 10. When Jesus went to Capernaum, there was a Roman centurion there. And If you remember, he had a friend that was very dear to him. He was dying, he was ready to die. And the Roman centurion servant, when he heard about Jesus, he sent to Jesus, he went, he sent them to him, to come to his house to heal his servant. And he basically had so much faith in who Jesus, was and is remember the name with the meaning of shem the authority he had the fame that he had and he said to him you don't even have to come to my house just speak the word and i know he will be healed just speak a word that took faith faith in action the guy was dying but he knew, the Roman soldier knew, he wasn't even a Jew, he was a Gentile. He believed who Jesus was. And he believed he had the power and the authority to heal his servant. And Jesus marveled at his faith. He marveled at it. He said, I, never, I, didn't even, I haven't found faith like this in Israel. The faith that he has. That's real faith in action. You get a bad report, you're going to die. Well, I know what Jesus can do. I believe Jesus can heal. I believe Jesus can raise from the dead someone that's on their deathbed. I've seen him do it. I really have, personally, in my family. So, He has that power and he has that authority. He is who he says he is. And Jesus is amazing when you look at how he cares about people. Remember, anyone that comes to him, he will no way cast out. This was a Roman centurion that was worshiping pagan gods. And he came to Jesus on behalf of someone else. And Jesus intervened. So beautiful. Then in Acts 3, uh, 3, verses 1 through 16, another example of faith in action, Peter and John. You'll have to read these because um, they're really long portions of scripture, so you can read them between this week and next week. But they went up to the temple to pray at the ninth hour. And there was a lame man from his mother's womb, and he was carried. And they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And you see him, Peter and John, about to go into the temple, They asked, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them, on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expected to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And we know the rest of the story. He rose up, leaping, praising the Lord. That took faith to really believe. This guy was lame all of his life. And they walked by him, believing, Jesus, you can raise this man up and cause him to walk. Haven't you had times like that? When you walk by someone, you see them in a condition like that, and you just want to go over there and touch them, but something in you says, what if they don't receive the healing? So we hold back, right? I've had that. Especially when I lived in New York, because in New York there's a lot of homeless people. And when I would catch the bus, they would all be hanging out there, and so many times it was just like... I wish I could touch each other and then everyone in these people and they could be healed. I would share the Lord with them, but it would be so much better if they could walk out of that wheelchair. Some of them were in a wheelchair without legs. Right? What holds us back? Fear, right? Unbelief. What if I look stupid and nothing happens, right? I mean, we wrestle with that. But here, Peter took a step of faith. And God touched the lame man. And it's interesting because then he began to preach the gospel. And you see that whenever the Lord does a miracle like that, it is an opportunity to preach the gospel to that person or to whoever's looking on to share the truth of who he is, that truly he is the Messiah. It's him that healed you. That's why if you remember in the book of Acts and the times where the disciples were saying, why are you looking at us like we're something special? It's not us. We're men just like you. we got the same flaws that you do. <laughs> you know? Jesus. Jesus touched you. Jesus, Jesus healed you. He touched you and he healed you. Think about how he touched you and he healed you. Because we were like that lame man. On the side of the road, someone came to us, right? By faith, they came to us and shared the gospel with us. And we knew. I know what they're telling me is true. I mean, I think about when I was at work at my job. I knew what that girl was sharing with me was the truth, and I needed what she had. I needed that Jesus. I had never known love. Like what she was telling me, his love was like. It was like, Lord, I want to know you. That took faith for her to come to my desk and tell me. I could have rejected her and said, Get out of here, leave me alone. I'm good. It takes faith. Looking at faith and action. When you have that nudging inside, where the Holy Spirit is saying, Go, talk to them. Tell them about me. Why do we hold back? Why are we afraid? See, so remember Jesus said, I want you to believe in me. Believe. Again, in Daniel 8, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 30, long section there. We see faith in action with Daniel's friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who disobeyed the king's edict and wound up in a fiery furnace. And it's amazing the conversation they had with the king because they expressed faith where the king heated up the furnace seven times hotter because he was in a rage towards them. And they said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O King. That took faith. They were going into a fiery furnace, bound up. But they said, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning fiery furnace. But they also said, but if not, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. This was King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar in verse 16 and 8 through 18 was was full of fury. And as I said, he heated the furnace seven times hotter, and then he commanded certain mighty men of valor, who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their outer garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And then the king was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he said, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the, fourth of, the form of the fourth is like the son of God. How did you know that? How did he know that? I wonder if it was that demon that was in him. No. Because he was full of the devil, Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their heads was not singed, nor were the garments affected, and the smell of fire wasn't even on them. Talk about faith and action. I mean, what if someone was going to throw us in a fiery furnace? How would we respond? Would we have faith like this, believing in our God the way they did? We serve the same God. We serve the same exact God that they did. But how would we respond
1: I love to think that you know, instead of just standing there like <gasps> with the fire, they're like walking around and this the fire. You know, it's just like, it just you know, just to think of their their faces like yeah. We're walking around the fire.
0: It's amazing. Yes. But then look at what the king said after that. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. When we take a step of faith when we're living out our faith in action, we have no idea how it's gonna affect other people that are so anti-God. We have no idea how it's gonna affect them. Our faith can affect those that don't believe. I remember 10 years ago, we were visiting my parents in New York and after our prayer time, when Jeff had his prayer time, I had my prayer time, he came into the room I was in, having my quiet time, and he came in and he said, I really feel sure you're supposed to go downstairs and tell your dad your testimony. And I immediately was like, really? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm just gonna trust you. What he was saying, that it was from the Lord. This is faith in action. Now, my dad used to be total atheist, total atheist. I go down the stairs. He calls my mom and dad. He said, Rose well, wants to talk to you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I was a basket case sharing my testimony with them, a basket case. And my mom knew I got saved back in the 80s, but she never knew how it happened. She didn't know it was a girl that we both used to work with. Her. Let me tell you more. And she said, I didn't know it was Teddy. I was like, yeah, that's why you think I'm on, I'm on this mad search for Teddy since I moved to Kentucky looking for her. <laughs> so she could see how God has answered her prayers. But she prayed for us in the early years of our marriage when things were really, really bad. So when I was done sharing my testimony with both of them, my dad looked at me, and he said to Jeff, I know this is very real to both of you. I know it's your life, but I don't believe. So Jeff looked at him, and he said, can I pray for you? He said, would you please? And he prayed a simple prayer, he would just open up his understanding that he might believe and be saved. But 10 years ago, he wanted to give his heart to Christ. And he was here, got water baptized. And now he has partial dementia, so, you know, he's in and out. But he did make that profession of faith. He really believes in Jesus. And he wants to be in church, and he can make it to the car to get in the car to go, and he's sorry for that. But we have no idea when we take that step of faith, take a step of faith, and share your faith just like these guys they in the fiery furnace before uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, how that's gonna affect them because they know it's real to you. How can King Nebuchadnezzar deny what he saw but also what they expressed before they went in that fiery furnace? He couldn't deny it. This is God. This is the true God. Faith in action It's powerful. When we take a step of faith, not just sit and say, oh, let someone else do it. No, God may be saying, I want you to be the one to go, to tell them. I want you to be the one And if you go, I'll be with you. I'll give you the words to say. I didn't know what I was going to say that morning. I was a basket cake. I could barely talk. But God was there. He was there. Well, in Daniel 6, he's in his 80s now. And we see this faith in action. There's a new king, King Darius. And look at his testimony. Daniel was known to have an excellent spirit within him. And the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they couldn't find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error for fault found in him. Then those men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What a testimony. Uh, yeah, yeah I can. They had watched his whole life. And they made a royal war that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, they shall be cast into a den of lions. And King Zairus, signed, the written decree, and Daniel's response was: He went in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before the Lord, who again is our God, the same God, as was his custom from the early days. He lived out his testimony. He's a young man, 16, when he wound up in Babylon. And now he's in his 80s, and people are watching his life, and they know it's real. What he's got is real. Verse 11 it says Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Put him there an our God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. And they said, have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king said, true. And verse 13, so they answered before the king that Daniel, so is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He was for him. And he labored till the sun went down to deliver him. But these men approaching the king had said to the king, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. So in verse 16 and 17, the king gave the command and they bore Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Why? What? what did he see in Daniel in his faith that he had in God, that he lived out? that he knew you're about to go into a den of wild, hungry, they were hungry, starving lions but your God's gonna deliver you. I wouldn't think that way, I'd be like, they're gonna be chewed up to pieces. The king saw Daniel's faith in action. And he knew God was real. In verse 18, it says, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. So I wonder if he was praying, interceding. Verse 19, And very early in the morning, the king went in haste to the den of lions. Verse 20, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. And look at what he said. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Could you imagine hearing a voice come from a den of lions? I'm here, I'm still alive. (laughs) These are real stories. These aren't fairy tales. (laughs) They're real stories. So I'm going to read that again. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so they had not heard me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. In verse 23, now the king was exceedingly glad for Daniel and commanded that they would take him up out of the den. No injury, whatever was found on him because he believed in his God who's the same God we serve. We serve the same God that he serves. And look at what King Diaries wrote, verse 25 to 27. Think about King Nebuchadnezzar. Now this is another king that came after him. He wrote to all the peoples, nations, this was a world leader, world leader. To all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. And I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. This is an unsaved man. The Hussain Because of Daniel's life and the faith that he lived out before him. He continues to say, his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. How did he know that? How does King Darius know that? That God's kingdom will never be destroyed. That his dominion shall endure to the end. How does he know that? He delivers and rescues. This is King Darius saying, it's not Daniel He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth, who has delivered Daniel from his power, the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So after Darius was gone, Cyrus came. Daniel got to witness three different world leaders take over in his lifetime. And he lived out his faith and his testimony before all of them to the point that they knew this God of Jacob, Isaac, Abraham is real. He's alive. He's the God of the living. He's not like the gods that we serve. They were basically saying, do you think God's looking for that kind of faith and action in our generation through our lives? Yeah. How many out there need to know this? Because they're facing all kinds of lions' dens and fiery furnaces in life. And we know the God that can Step in, deliver, set free. So why are we afraid to say anything? God's always challenging us, isn't he? Especially now, when so many are being silenced. Don't talk about the things of God. Don't talk about the ways of God. Don't tell me about God. But how will they know? So again, the theme of this class is Faith in Action. We looked at some biblical... Heroes of faith that have gone before us, these are real people. For those that might be listening that don't come to this church or you're just curious to see what Lighthouse is all about. Listening online, these are real life stories. These people did exist. These world leaders did exist. They did have a kingdom here on earth that has been destroyed. It's in ruins, but God's kingdom is forever. And we're a part of that kingdom. And we need to proclaim that. So as we look at faith in action, there were four questions that I came up with that we can either uh, talk about or you can take them home and answer them. But the first question was, what situation does the Lord have you in right now where you have to exercise your faith? The second question, how is God teaching you to put your faith into action? Number three, how have those actions increased your dependency and deepened your trust in him? Because with every step of faith, we see him in a greater way, in a clearer way. And number four, how can you strengthen your faith this week when tempted to doubt God? So those are some questions you could meditate on, answer, talk about with one another, pray over talk about it with others to see, okay, Lord, where am I really in my faith? Is my faith really the same kind of faith like Abraham had? Where God made a promise, but he had to take that step first before he saw the fulfillment of the promise. Or am I just sitting around waiting for something just to fall out of the sky by osmosis, Without doing anything. What I love about the FBC conference that we just had, one of the speakers and I I don't know if I said this last week, but he said something that I said. True. He said, Scripture talks about using First John, and James being doers of the word, not hearers only. But he was saying, Scriptures tell us there are those that say, they believe, but they don't do. Remember, faith without works is dead. There are those that say they're going to do, and they do. And it made me think of me, because I'm, you know, the parable that Jesus gave of the one that he told him to go do something, and one said, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And he didn't do anything. And the other one said, I'm not doing it. And he thought about what he said, he wound up doing it. I'm the second person. Uh-huh. I say that, oh, I'm not doing it. And then the Holy Spirit convinced me, it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay. But it's so true. Yes. Faith without works is dead. So I'm going to read again in the Amplified that passage from James chapter 2, verse 26. For just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. So look for ways that how you can put your faith into action this week. Does anyone want to share anything based on those four questions? Again, they are, what situation does the Lord have you in right now where you have to exercise your faith? Or how is God teaching you to put your faith into action? How have those actions increased your dependency and deepened your trust in Him? Or how can you strengthen your faith? Or how have you been strengthening your faith when you've been? Tempted to doubt God. Sure. Um, the Lord has been doing a lot in our family. Um, he's been
1: just knitting us tighter together, you yeah. know. And um, things are changing spiritually in our in our home and in our relationships. But they have not been changing, um, like, physically, like, our physical, uh, you know, like, our our needs, our our house, our finances, our, you know. Um, And I want to see those met and changed, like, yesterday, you know what I mean? But, so... I'm so grateful that that he's changing our hearts, you know, mm-hmm. and making us reliant on him together mm-hmm. and communicating together mm-hmm. and, you know, fighting and being in faith together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's making me, like, test, okay, do I really believe this? Mm-hmm. You know? hmm and the Lord is so sovereign and so faithful, and and is meeting needs, but it's mm-hmm. not in the way that I expect or that I want, you right. know. Yeah. Um. So that's the the situation, and then how mm-hmm. is He teaching me to put my faith into action? Like the other day when I posted about my attitude, mm-hmm. it was in regard to the situation, and like. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because mm-hmm. before it, you know, I'd just feel like, I'm entitled to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have the wrath of Sarah because I'm in a bad mood, you know. Right. But but now no, I can't just get away with that. Right. I I'm convicted of of my attitude, of my unbelief, of, mm-hmm. of all the things. Mm-hmm. I'm still like learning to actually put it off in a timely manner Mm -hmm. and, you know, and put on Mm -hmm. love and faith and kindness, actual Mm -hmm. kindness, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, so to to do those things, even when things don't look the way I want them to look. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's so great, you know, count all joy, because Mm -hmm. this does produce endurance. This Mm -hmm. does strengthen my faith. Like, when things are hard, it's when Mm -hmm. I have to really cling and rely on him the most. Mm -hmm. And then how can you strengthen your faith this week when tempted to doubt God? Doubting God is not unusual for me, especially Mm -hmm. in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, like, I've just learned I'm so grateful for you, Rose, and for helping me to see and utilize these tools. Like, Mm -hmm. no. I really just have to take every captive right away mm-hmm. and like what does the Bible actually say right. and make that my meditation mm-hmm. make that my praise mm-hmm. make that my my foundation you know mm-hmm. um, because it's right there mm-hmm. doubt and mm-hmm. things you know and if I entertain it for a minute mm-hmm. it's gonna take me spiraling right. So like right away no right. you know Right. this is what the Bible says and, and praising
0: him because of it right. you know yeah and the wonderful thing about that too is you're living that out before your kids
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that's
0: true you know so just like the others that were watching the faith being lived out they realize that's real he is God and he's very involved so you don't realize how you're living your faith out before the kids where they'll know the God that mommy and daddy serve is very real, very personal, and he is involved in not only their lives, but in our lives too. You know, that's gonna be their testimony that we can cry out to God just like mommy and daddy did and saw the miracles that he did in their lives He's the same God that I want to know and to serve. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're all living out our faith before.